0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.
1: Socrates said, learning is remembering. And in a world where you could find anything on Google and everything, it's still important to, to exercise your mind, not just for mental intelligence. Yes, you want to have facts and figures and foreign languages and formula, all that stuff at your mental fingertips, but not just that. I'm I'm talking about mental fitness in like, just like how people want to be physically stronger, right? You go to a personal trainer and they make you, um, they make your muscles stronger and they make them faster and they make them sharper and more focused and more flexible and agile. I think you could build your mental muscles the same way. You know, you can make your mental muscles stronger and faster and have have more energy and more flexible and more agile because nowadays you're not paid for your muscle power, you're paid for your mind power, right? Nobody in this society is paid for their brute strength, you're paid for your brain strength.
0: I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500 episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com.
2: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for
1: clothes. Nice dress.
3: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Jim, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
1: Thank you for uh, having me and thank you everyone for joining us.
0: Yeah, you know, I was introduced to you by way of our mutual friend Selena Sue, but I I knew about your work uh, long before that. And uh, I wanted to have you as a guest for quite some time just because I was so intrigued by the work that you do. But before we get into your work, um, I want to start with a question that I have not asked somebody yet. And that is, where did you grow up and what impact did that end up having on your life and the work that you've done?
1: Wow. That's a great question. Um, I, uh, my parents immigrated here, um, from Asia. I grew up in, I was born and grew up in Westchester, New York. It's a suburb of New York city, uh, just North of the city and, uh, how it impacted me. Actually, this is very significantly actually. Um, well, I, I grew up with learning challenges and I, um, I had this brain injury when I was five years old, just head trauma. And, um, and I couldn't learn things. And I actually, so I had no focus, no memory to speak of. And teachers would have to repeat themselves over and over again. So I didn't understand things. I would basically have imposter syndrome at the age of five, pretending I knew new stuff, but I really didn't, right? Because mm-hmm. I was struggling and suffering. Um, so it took me an extra three years to learn how to read. And uh, and I would actually, I taught myself how to read by reading comic books late at night, um, talking about you know being creative and something about this the story arc you know good versus evil something about the illustrations and the artwork um, something about the, the storyline of hope and real help that one person can make a difference really brought the words to life and that's how I learned how to read and my favorite comic books growing up were the X-Men um, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with uh, Wolverine and Professor X and Storm and, and all them um, not because they were the strongest superheroes it's just they didn't fit in Um, you know they were the mutants and uh, I felt like growing up I didn't fit in because of my brain injury I was very shy and introverted you know because when you when you feel like you're you don't have a lot to offer to the world you don't really connect with people a lot Um, but the other reason why I was really connected to them is I found out by reading the comic books that they also lived in Westchester New York um, and, uh, like the school, uh, Professor X's school for the superheroes was there. And so on the weekends at the age of, I don't know, maybe eight years old, I used to ride my bicycle around my neighborhood trying to find the school, the X-Men school for mutants because I wanted to run away and go to that school because I wanted to find my superpower and I wanted to find my, my super friends, if you will. And so that's kind of my my growing up Westchester. That's a great question to leave with. No one's ever asked me like right off the bat where you you know where you're from.
3: You know,
0: I, I'm curious, you're of Asian descent, right? Yes okay, um, the difficulty with learning, how did that uh, go down with your parents because I'm of Indian descent, and I remember the mm-hmm. first time a teacher suggested to my parents that I might have a learning disability. ironically, I was failing reading of all things, which is strange, considering I'm an author right. um, but I remember my parents were were livid about that, and you know very much I think it's largely a cultural thing, so I'm curious uh from a cultural perspective, you know like how did this all go down with your parents.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, some of it was it was an influence. I mean, I am the I'm the oldest of uh, of three children, and so I wanted to be a good role model for my younger brother and my younger sister. Um, my education is important, um, even, even more than that. With with my parents, I I really give them credit when people. No, no, no one's ever asked me who my superheroes really are, but really, my my parents, because they really instilled to me discipline and and hard work, and they're extremely kind and, and giving. Um, and there was obviously a, a little bit of a focus um, on on contributing and making an impact. Um, It wasn't. It it was tough because I was with my learning challenges. My my mother actually uh, didn't know how to help me, so she actually became a school teacher, a special ed school teacher um, in the in the schools that that I was going through. Because you know, when you have these kind of challenges, especially back then, you know, who knows what you know, how to fix somebody with, the, I was actually labeled <laughs> the boy with the broken brain. There was, a, there was a teacher, and this is a horrible thing to say in front of a student, you know, a child, but a teacher didn't think I was paying attention. I was talking to another adult and pointed to me and said, that's the boy with the broken brain. And so, um, what was more, I mean, certainly it was, so I wanted to, I, I was, I had pressure, more internally, because I wanted to make my family proud because they had worked really hard and had multiple jobs. I mean, our family lived in the back of a, of a laundromat, uh, and it was, um, you know, so it was, it was very challenging. So I, went, I was more internal pressure for myself, wanting to do good by them because of all their sacrifice and, and hard work. Um, the other thing is wow, I never talked about this either, but in, in high school, there was only one other Asian in my, in my school, and he was a year um, ahead of me and he he was um <laughs> i don't want to out him but he was like he was he was I don't know by name but he was the class uh the valedictorian he got a 1590 on his SATs, 10 points shy of a perfect score. So he felt the impetus to retake it. So he gets, some, you know, and then he got a perfect <laughs> score. You know, he got his scholarship to, to Harvard and he was captain of his debate team. He was captain of the, the math team and chess team and everything. And, you know, that was the, you know, that was the only Asian in the, uh, in the high school and he was the year before me. So everyone, you know, he kind of set the, the standard mm-hmm. uh, for that school. And then so when I came through the the school, you know system like a year later I really didn't live up to it because I was kind of on the other spectrum and in school there was actually there was a gifted program uh, called MASP M-A-S-P more able student program and um, and all my friends because I hung out with like the geeks um, the, or the nerds, if you will, who played Dungeons and Dragons and read comic books and played video games, right? Mm. Um, but unlike them, I didn't have the grades, <laughs> and so all my friends got invited to this this group called MASP and the More Able Student Program. And me and another friend, uh, we created a group called LASP, <laughs> Less Able Student Program. So that, <laughs> that was kind of my uh, my academic. Um, my my career, so I was this kind of shy. My my superpower back then, really, I talk a lot about superpowers because uh, I think if knowledge is power, learning is is your superpower. Everyone listening here, and I know that's what we're going to talk about. But I um my superpower back then was invisibility. Uh-huh. Like I I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be heard. I mean, I did deep down but I just didn't want the attention on me. I would actually um, opt, like I would do the work because I, that was the discipline of, for my for my parents. Um, and I would work really hard above and beyond, but it's really disheartening when you don't get the results mm-hmm. like everybody else does. And so I would do a book report, and but if a teacher asked me to give a presentation in front of the class on it, I would actually lie and say I didn't do it. And I would take a zero, a failing grade, because I was so scared to be in front of a group of people Um, because you know, I never felt like I was good enough. And, um, and I ended up throwing out the book report on the way out of class, right in the trash, you know, something I worked for weeks on. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, it it, it was, it was, it was tough. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, You know, uh, there's two questions that come from this. You mentioned being, you know, thought of as the boy with the broken brain. And and I know, you know, having interviewed a lot of people who are are psychologists that, you know, these kinds of things have a really significant impact on us. Um, Even when we get into adult life, you know, we have subconscious programs that we don't even know are running our lives. Um, How did you unwind that in your life? Like, how did you overcome that? And uh, one, are you a parent? If so, um, how has your experience influenced, you know, raising kids? And, And what would you say to parents who are listening? That's,
1: those are two great questions. Um, so working backwards, I, um, I'm not a parent yet. I'm looking forward to it because I think that's going to be the role that's, uh, that's going to define me probably the most i mean it's funny when you're this my two biggest fears growing up were um, and my two biggest challenges not just fears and struggles were learning and public speaking (laughs) and so i think the universe has a sense of humor because that's what i pretty pretty much i public speak on learn on the topic of learning my uh for the past 25 years and that's what i do um And so going back to how I unraveled the, this, it it didn't come easy. My, my inspiration really was my desperation. Um, you know, you're very impressionable at that age of five, six, seven, eight, here's just kind of forming your identity and such. And, um, and it took a lot because it's, I was willing to, it's tough when you feel like you're willing to do the work, but you don't have um, the guidance. Like my parents did the best that they could with what they knew. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I got to, um, when I got, when I turned 18 and went to school, I really wanted to start fresh, like literally <laughs> the fresh and freshman. I really wanted to start, have a fresh start and I, um, and make my family proud and show the world and, and show myself that I could do this, that I was worth something. And, um, it actually got worse and it's cause college is so much more difficult than, than school, right? High school. I can relate. And, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people could relate to that because so much is dependent on yourself, right? Because you're spending less time in class and more time on your own and it takes initiative and it takes, you know, it's, it's a drive and, um, and discipline. And so, um, So I ended up um, wanting to quit because I didn't want to to waste the money to be in school and struggle and, and just get poor grades and such. And a friend of mine Uh, This was in New York. A friend of mine was saying, "Hey, why don't you um, come uh, visit my visit my home? I'm going home this weekend to California to visit my folks. And um, why don't you go out there and get some perspective before you? Because I didn't know how to tell my parents I was going to quit school. Because that's like a disaster (laughs) conversation. Um, You know, they would understand it, but they just, you know, I just really didn't want to be disappointed because I would do anything for them. Mm -hmm. And um, so I agree. I never been to California before. Scrape up some money, go out there, and then when I'm out there, the the family is um remarkably they're 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 pretty well off and successful and and the father walks me around his property you know before dinner and asks me a very innocent question that you would ask a you know 18 year old kid uh, which is absolutely the worst question to ask this particular 18 year old kid was um how's school right (laughs) and i just and i'm You know, I'm pretty shy, but I I just start break. I break down because I have. I feel like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders, and I I tell him this whole thing about having this brain injury. I never fit in, and have these all these learning challenges, and I can't do it. I don't know how to tell my family I'm going to quit. And he's uh, this smart man. he, He asked me this question, and I I really think questions are the answer. To, to be more creative, to be able to solve problems, I think it requires another level of thinking, um, which usually has to do with asking new brand new questions or more questions. And he asked me this question um, that really got me thinking and focusing differently, saying, why are you in school? Like, why are you in school? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? You know, what do you want to share? And I honestly didn't have an answer. Um, because, and cause you ask a new question, you'll eventually get a new answer. And he kept on asking in different ways. And I go to answer him and he, and he pauses, he's like, and he pulls out, out of his back pocket, a journal and he takes out a couple of sheets of paper and he makes me write down my answer. And I started to write, it's like, put more on there, put more on there, and just, and after a handful of minutes, I don't know how long, I have like a, like a bucket list, right, of the things I want to be and do and and accomplish. And I thought the exercise was over, and I start folding the sheets of paper to put it into my pocket, and he grabs them right out of my hand. And I start freaking out, because I, yeah, I didn't know that he was going to look at my, you know, my answers, right, my dreams and my, my fantasies and everything. And he's just... I don't know how much time goes by but he's just reading my list and when he's done he looks right at me I'm I don't even know what he's going to say I feel you know I feel so vulnerable already and he says Jim you are this close to everything on that list and he spreads his index fingers about a foot you know like 12 inches he's like you're this close to everything on that list and I'm thinking there's just no way I mean give me 10 lifetimes i'm not going to crack that list and he he takes his index fingers and he puts them to the side of my head you know meaning that it's like you know my brain that has something to do with the you know the key and he takes me into his home into a room i've never seen before it's wall to wall ceiling floor covered in books i mean can you imagine somebody's library in their house and, it, and think, keep in mind, like, I am phobic of books. Like, I hate books. I've never read a book cover to cover. I mean, it'd be the equivalent of walking into a room and, and being in a room full of snakes, you know, for somebody who's scared of snakes. But what makes it worse is he just starts going to the shelves and starts grabbing snakes and handing them to me. And, um, and I'm freaking out. And I'm looking at the titles and there are these bi- biographies of some incredible men and women in history And some really early personal development books, like really early personal growth books, um, like Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, and Psycho-Cybernetics, and and such. And he says, Jim, I want you to read one book a week. And I'm thinking, have you not been listening to anything (laughs) I've been saying? Like, I'm learning challenge, and I have this, and I have this. And what I've learned is, if you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. You know, if you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. And I'm fighting for these limitations, right? Because I want to keep them. And I'm saying, oh, I'm learning challenges. I have this brain injury. And I'm telling him this whole story and everything. And, and he's like, um, and I tell him I have so much schoolwork anyway. I have midterms and everything. And, he's, and he looks at me right in, dead in the eyes. And he says, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. Hmm. And um, I didn't know at that time it was a Mark Twain quote. And I was like, wow, that's really powerful. And I'm still gonna, I still go back because I'm a rubber band. I still go back to my story. I'm like, yeah, that, I'm, that's really nice saying and everything. And yet, I really can't do this because if I commit to it, I'm gonna do it because that's my that's my word, right? And so, um, very smart man. He reaches into his pocket where he still has my bucket list, and he starts reading every all my dreams out loud one by one. And something about hearing another man who's obviously doing pretty well for himself, complete stranger though, hearing another man's voice, your dreams, your fantasies out in the universe. um, It just messed with my mind, my heart, my soul, something fierce. And, um, and honestly, a lot of the things on that list were things I wanted to do for my family, you know, things that they would never do or never could afford to do for themselves. And with that leverage, I agree to read one book a week on top of my schoolwork. And that, that's just another point. And, you know, when I'm talking about power of questions, it's also the power of motivation. Because I feel like a lot of people know what to do, but they don't do what they know. And they can't get themselves because they don't have that, that drive and you know that leverage of tapping into my why you know like simon sinek start with why i, I do believe it's so important to find what what fuels us i, I always talk about a success formula i call it h cubed it's very simple h three h's it goes from your head to your heart to your hands that you could affirm things and visualize things and law of attraction everything in your mind but if you're not acting with your hands you know i i've believe in the law of attraction, but I also believe in the law of action, right? And I think you have to use your hands and roll up your sleeves and do the work. But if you're not doing that, if you have a dream or a goal and you're not acting on it, usually I find in my work is missing is the second H, which is your heart. And what does the heart symbolize, right? It symbolizes emotion, right? The energy of motion. It's the fuel that moves you know that fuels the car and I feel like it's very important to be able to tap into those feelings especially when I talk about learning I think when I talk about memory and I teach people how to remember things that they need to remember each day remembering names and so on um, I I think it's important for people to to tap into it. It's information this is the formula I use information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. And we know that because like you think about your memories or we all have a song that will take us back to when, you know, years or there's a food or a smell that can take us back to when we're a child because that information combined with emotion became a long-term memory. And I think the problem why a lot of people don't remember things back in school, like if you're, they were quizzed on things, you know, everyday things that they learned. Most people wouldn't do very well because the emotional state back then for most people you know, growing up with a 20th century education with, you know, sit quietly by yourself, right. assembly line, like don't talk to your neighbor. I mean, it was for most people. It was what it was just. Boredom. Yeah. And then when you're bored, you know, the emotional state is like zero. So zero times anything is zero. And that's why I feel like, you know, we were just talking about this before we got on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was asking your advice. I just launched my own podcast. And it's like, you know, one of the keys is like, you know, making it entertaining for people and having stories and engaging with people. And I feel like that's one of the keys to really retain information. And so I tapped into my motivation with the things I wanted to do for my family. I agree to read one book a week. And now fast forward, I'm, I'm back um, in New York, I'm sitting at my desk at school and I have a pile of books I have to read for school and a pile of books I promised to read and I can't do it. You know, It was hard enough before, now I have twice as much work and I'm flipping out, so I, I, how do I do it? I don't eat, I don't sleep, I don't work out, I don't spend time with friends, I don't do anything that's healthy for me and I just live in the library nonstop. I have so much pressure. And it's like a really dark time. And I just I ended up actually passing out one night in the library and I fell down a flight of stairs and I hit my head again. I have a lot of really bad, uh, you know, bad history with, uh, have, uh, head trauma. And I wake up in the hospital two days later, two full days later in the hospital. And at this point, I, because I wasn't eating and taking care of myself, I was down to 117 pounds. I mean, I was wasting away and I thought I died. And when I woke up, another part of me woke up too, thinking there has to be a better way. You know, I cannot do this anymore. And, um, when I had that thought, the nurse came in with a mug of tea and I had a picture of Albert Einstein, who I just feel like is the opposite of who I am um at this at this time in my life. I just posted you know I posted a picture on Instagram recently and just a picture of Einstein and Charlie Chaplin and just like these geniuses who I've, I've just spent my life studying since then. But at that time, I'm like, no, you know, that's not me. but the quote on there really got to me and said, and you've heard this quote before in some it said the same level of thinking that's created your problem won't solve your problem. The same level of thinking that's gotten us to where we are is not going to get us to where we need to be, right? And that's one of the precepts I, you know, I subscribe to in being creative is asking questions, but also the same level of thinking, you know, has to be, has to be different, right? And it made me think like a new question is like, well, what's my problem? I was like, well, I'm a very I have a very slow brain. And I was like, well, how do I think differently? Well, how do I have a, you know, a quicker brain, if you will? And uh, it's just like, well, maybe I can learn how to learn how to do that. And I just thought I picked up a course bulletin thinking I could take a class on learning or studying or anything like that. And there are all classes on what to learn. Math, history, science, Spanish, right? Great content of what to learn. But there were zero classes on how to learn right? How to think for yourself, how to solve problems, how to, how to be creative, right? <laughs> how, how to focus and concentrate, how to read faster, how to, how to listen to somebody, how to remember more. I always thought this should have been the fourth R back in school, because I had a horrible memory, right? What's the point in learning something if you can't retain it? And, you know, I saw the fourth R, you know, because we have reading, we have writing, and we have arithmetic. Yeah. But what about retention? What about recall? And Socrates said, learning is remembering. And in a world where you could find anything on Google and everything, it's still important to to exercise your mind, not just for mental intelligence. Yes, you want to have facts and figures and foreign languages and formula, all that stuff at your mental fingertips, but not just that I'm I'm talking about mental fitness in like, just like how people want to be physically stronger, right? You go to a personal trainer and they make you, um, they make your muscles stronger and they make them faster and they make them sharper and more focused and more flexible and agile. I, I think you could build your mental muscles the same way. You know, you can make your mental muscles stronger and faster and have to have more energy and more flexible and more agile because nowadays you're not paid for your muscle power. You're paid for your mind power, right? Nobody in this society is paid for their brute strength. You're paid for your brain strength. But your brain doesn't come with an owner's manual. It's not user-friendly. So I was looking through my course bullets and looking for one class I could take. And there were zero classes on meta-learning or learning how to learn or, or thinking about my thinking. And so I started – I put my work aside. And I started studying these books of these incredible men and women in history and these, uh, these positive um, – personal development books. And then I also started studying this area of learning. I wanted, I started studying adult learning theory, because I be, pretty much wanted to crack this code. I um, I host annual events, you know, for the past 10 years, and recently we had Quincy Jones in our audience, right? I mean, he's an icon, and I asked him to come on, up on stage, and and I asked him, just interviewing him, and a lot of people don't know, he, like, speaks, like, 23 different languages. I mean, there's a clear correlation between music and, and uh, that part of your brain, and I was asking him questions about you know, we are the world, and all Michael Jackson, all these you know accomplishments, and and I was saying, what? How did you overcome those problems? And he looks at me, he's like, Jim, I don't have any problems. I'm like, what do you mean? You're you're 84 years old. You don't have any problems, really. Um, and because I do believe that going through struggles give you strength, right? Going through challenges give you change. And and I was like, he's like, no, nope, no problems. And he's like, I have uh, puzzles. And I was like, wow, that just blew my mind. Because the language we put to something really changes our experience of it, right? And so he doesn't feel like he ever has any problems. He just looks at problems as puzzles. And when, you know, I like puzzles myself. And I just feel like when I think about puzzles, it's like, oh, it's like a Rubik's Cube. You know, there's a solution here that I can learn how to... You know, solve this. And um, and so that's the, I feel like I wanted to solve the same puzzle about like this riddle about how my brain works so I could work my brain. How does my memory work so I could work my memory? And um, I dedicated my studies to that 30, 60 days. And after about that, about a couple of months, like a light switch went on. And, um, and I just started to understand things better. Um, I I started to to have have greater focus, I started to remember things better, comprehend things better. And I remember actually one of the defining moments, I could tell you where it shifted for me. And I've never talked about this in an interview, but I was sitting in a lecture center um, for a class, I mean, a really big hundreds of people there. And I always like sit off to the side. And yeah, you know, because I just feel like I don't really want to connect with people, and and I've never asked a question there. And people kind of know me, and you know, as the person who just like you know the the mute shy guy, um, you know, in the corner. And you know, they, back then they had these um, overhead projectors, right? And they would put things on the screen, and you would see it there. And um, and you know, a bunch of and he put another slide on there, and a bunch of words on the on on the on the screen in front front of the class. And I just start, I just laugh out loud, right? And out of nowhere, I just and I I just. I don't know why, it just, I didn't realize that because I'm not verbal like that, right? And everyone turns around and looks at me because it was loud enough. I was like, whoa. And then, you know, whatever, 15 seconds or 20 seconds afterwards, 30 seconds, uh, the rest of the class started laughing also because I, I realized in that moment that I had read uh, what was on the screen faster than everybody else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I, I I do a whole thing on on speed reading, teach people how to read three times faster and everything. But I I didn't realize that it, you know, that that was the moment where I realized I was I was developing and unleashing these these superpowers, if you will. And um and so that was uh, in terms of how I overcame a long a long answer. To a very simple question. How I started to overcome my beliefs about from this five year old child with learning challenges, the boy that, was, that had the book Broken Brain, is um, there's this in psychology, they have this confidence competence loop. Right. And the more competent you get at something, the more confidence you get at it. And if you're more confident, you're more likely to practice more and do it, which increases your competence, which is you know cyclical and good feedback yeah. and positive momentum. So one of the ways I changed my limiting belief about what's possible is getting myself to do things I never thought I could do. Um, and that, that was a very that was that was an inflection point for me. Because shortly after that, I started to share it. Because once you get this revelation, I actually had a mixed bag of emotions. I felt incredibly relieved and confident in myself because, you know, my grades started to improve and my life started to improve, elevate along with it. But then I also started to get really upset and angry because I was like, wow, I suffered my whole life with these issues and there were real simple solutions. Granted, I still have to do the work, right? It wasn't easy, Mm -hmm. um, but it was worth it. And I didn't. I couldn't believe that this wasn't readily available in our school system. And so I started to teach my friends this, and then I started to tutor it also as well. And one of, this was the other defining moment for me. One of the young women, she was a freshman uh, that I was tutoring. She read 30 books in 30 days. Now, can you imagine that? Like who, who could, read a book a day. <laughs> right. I mean, imagine that. I mean, listen to like, like, yeah, I know you do a lot of, a lot of prep and research, um, for what you do with your, with your guests and such, but imagine going to Amazon, picking up 30 books, you know, shows up the next <laughs> day and just reading one a day and then really absorbing it and retaining it. Right? right. What I teach is not skimming or scanning or getting the gist of things. Cause sure. I serve doctors right like dog, like you don't want your doctor to get the gist of what she's reading <laughs> yeah. right? and so this was a defining moment because I wanted to find out not how she did it I know exactly how she did it but going back to the power of motivation um, and people can think about what motivates them to do anything is I, I wanted to find out why she did it mm-hmm. and I found out by probing that she was um, her mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer was given two months to live 60 days to live and the books she was reading were books to help save her mom's life Wow, and I always get choked up even thinking about this because what ended up happening was six months later I get a call from this young lady and she's crying and she's crying and crying and I can't get a word out of her and I find out they're tears of joy that her mother not only survived but is really getting better doctors don't know how they don't know why uh, they called it a miracle but her mother attributes it to hundred percent to the great advice she got from her daughter that learned it from all these books. And that's where I realized that if knowledge is power, learning is your superpower. It's 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 all of our superpowers, and it's just we aren't shown how to unleash that superpower. And I wish I got that superpower from you know hitting my head when I was a five year old kid, but that didn't really do it. You know, I didn't get bitten I wasn't bitten by a radioactive elephant or whatever animal has a really good memory. Um, you know, but it came through just deep work. Yeah. You know, a lot a lot of grit.
0: Wow, so many questions. Uh, this is so awesome. Uh, you know, one of the other questions I have, and then I want to actually start getting into to a practical application of your work in our lives. Um, what do you think of our education system, given this perspective? I mean, I I can really relate to the struggle with school. Unfortunately, unlike you, I never figured out how to learn, so I, I left Berkeley with a, a two point nine seven GPA. And you know, I, I look at it now, and you know, having done all the interviews that I've done and, and talked to all the social science researchers that I have, I keep I can't help but wonder if I went back. I would actually have no problems at all.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think that if right now, anyone who's listening right now, they feel like they're behind or they're overloaded and they're overwhelmed, that there's too much to learn, too little time. Like you go out and buy these books on Amazon, but they sit on your shelf and it becomes shelf help instead of self-help, right? But if you feel like you're taking a sip of water out of a fire hose and you're, you have anxiety, and this is a real health epidemic, like there, it's called information fatigue syndrome, or information anxiety. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think everyone can relate higher levels of stress, higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time. um, Or even if you, something frees up, like all of a sudden a meeting gets canceled and you have 30 minutes to yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't even enjoy it because your mind is still multitasking, right? And thinking about everything that's going on. Um, You know, epidemic of sleeplessness, all these things that coming from this information, overload and overwhelm. So I would say if you're feeling that, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Because we have three modern-day super villains. I'm always talking about superpowers and superheroes, and I think really the entrepreneurs and the creatives are the superheroes of our time. And I don't, I don't say that to placate. I actually think that the world is going to be. I mean, they're the ones creating the value. They're the ones solving the problems. They're the ones that, that are inspiring people, and all those things you can't outsource to AI, right? You can't outsource um, overseas. You can't. Um, you can't. You know, it's just. These creative powers, uh, like they're superpowers, right? But I also know that you don't have creativity. You do creativity, right? You don't have focus. You do focus. You don't have memory. You do a memory. And so what I like to do is break things down into processes. And once it's a verb, then it becomes a recipe. And everyone can do that because I believe that when somebody does – like when I go on stage, I'll memorize literally 100 people's names live in front of an audience. Um, I'll They'll give me 100 words or 100 numbers, and I'll memorize it forwards and backwards. And afterwards, I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I'm doing this to express to you what's really possible because the truth is you could do it too. It's just we aren't taught. If anything, we're taught a lie, a lie that your intelligence, your potential, your memory – Your learning is somehow fixed like your shoe size. And what we've learned more in the past 20 years about the human brain more than the previous 2,000 years is that we're grossly underestimating its own capabilities. And if anything, we were taught in school because we had this – see, the problem is we all grew up with a 20th century education. A 20th century ed- education, which prepared us for 20th century world, which at the turn of the century, I mean, think about it. We're working in farms, working in factories, and they modeled the education system around assembly lines, right? It was one size cookie cutter fit all. You're put in, you know, you're, you're, based on your date of birth, you're, you're put into these like um, in these batches, if you will, and you're pretty much treated the same. Now, I'm not saying there hasn't been some advances in education at all. It's just the world has advanced a lot faster. Right? And we could all agree that that's the case. Like okay. We live in an age, I, I do programs at like SpaceX for Elon Musk, and like we live in an age where like his organization is creating autonomous electric cars, right? cars that drive themselves, that run on electricity, they're running like spaceships, they're sending spaceships to Mars. But the vehicle of choice when it comes to learning for most people in this world of electric cars and spaceships to Mars is a horse and a carriage. And that's how most people are still learning. They say Rip Van Winkle, Rip Van Winkle is the guy that slept for decades, right? If Rip Van Winkle woke up today, the only thing he would recognize is our education system. And it's not a slight against teachers. Like I just mentioned, my my mother's a school teacher. You know, my aunt is a professor. Um, like I I have um, at an Ivy League school, like I I, I have the utmost respect because some there are some of the 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 real life superheroes. They work so hard. They're so grossly underpaid. Um, for the value that they give, but the world, like these kids are growing up on joysticks and smartphones, right? And they're where there's one swipe away from anything. And how do you keep their attention by lecturing to them? Do you know what I mean? hmm like and and so my my thing is the education system um, it needs it, it's it's hard and I've had this conversation I gave this talk recently in Silicon Valley and afterwards uh, Bill Gates comes up to me right he was in the audience and we started talking about the future education and uh, I always I always ask everyone their what's their superpower if their kid they could have any one superpower what would it be and he was like Jim the ability to read faster and I was like oh I could totally help you with that because leaders are readers first of all but the other thing when we're talking about education I was asking like what's education look like and he took it from um, like a technology standpoint. And I was taking it from more of a accelerated learning theory standpoint. Mm-hmm. And somebody who was listening to our conversation at lunch says, is there anything missing, you know, in, in this future of education, in this digital age? Um, and we, we were talking about it, we came up to a conclusion that is understanding human motivation, going back to motive, like what's our motive for action? Knowing like we know how to do things, but not everyone does the things that they need to do. And so I'm I'm very curious right now in terms of what education could be because right now um, I was an early advisor for X Prize uh, for with Peter demondis right he he does uh, he basically says that um, he created co-created um, Singularity University and mm-hmm. he's mining asteroids of you know for you know these fuel and stuff like that great thinker and he has an education prize uh, where he, they're uh, 15 million dollars for creating a literacy a device like a smart device that could actually teach someone how to read in any country you know in a handful of months and uh, but I do believe when we're talking about the future education that now now we live in an age where you can get the best teaching from the best professor at the best school in the world online mm-hmm. you know what I mean and then maybe teachers become more coaches and facilitators of, of the experience um, to more customize it for each individual because right now a classroom is not limited to four walls anymore but my my passion is, is is this it's not because i grew up with a broken brain and learning challenges it's not it's not billions of dollars but it's billions of brains hmm. and i really get to, i get excited personally because I, I just i want no no brain to be left behind yeah. you know and that's that's why I, even that's always the impetus for um for my podcast too
0: Well, let's do this. Let's um, get into your actual work, um, because we've kind of been dancing around the edges of it for for quite some time. um, And it's been fascinating. But um, I want to talk about, you know, the whole idea of optimal brain performance and unleashing Uh these learning superpowers in our own lives. So can you kind of walk us through a framework? I realize probably that we could talk about that for like three hours. But do you think you could give us sort of a high level overview with practical applications for different areas of our life?
1: absolutely so I, I could go through this rapid fire okay cool and um and so we'll make this and this is this will be the like I mean people could write this down or they'll remember a lot of it just because we're going through it it's what this one of our you know superpowers that we talk about but I'm, I'm gonna go through so this is for anyone i want everyone to think about a subject or skill that they like to improve any subject or skill it could be martial arts it could be marketing it could be mandarin whatever that happens to be it could be music right um, think about a subject or skill you like to be better at, and everyone knows that there's a learning curve, but people don't realize there's also a forgetting curve. So how do you, how do you shorten that learning curve? How do you mitigate that forgetting curve? And so, really rapid fire. Here's some some big takeaways, and any one of these things could tr- dramatically transform your life to help accelerate your learning and, and your life's achievements. So, um, first, I would recommend fast and i always talk about this as fundamental that if you want to learn anything faster remember the word fast the f and this is what i do whenever i want to tackle a new subject or skill and that's practically every 30 days for me because i always want to be learning something brand new and so the f in fast stands for forget and you're thinking why does the memory coach talk about forgetting what you want to forget about what keeps you from learning faster is this idea that we already know it already. And so forget means forget what you already know about the subject temporarily. We call it the beginner's mind, right? We talk, again, people talk about the beginner's mind. This is the beginner's mind. And that's the fastest learners on the planet are children, right? Because they have that beginner's mind. And sometimes as we grow older, we feel like we know it. So we don't learn because our cup is full. The other things I would say to forget when you want to learn something faster is forget about any situational things because you only have a finite amount of attention and you can't split your attention when you want to learn something with oh what's going on with the clients what's going on with the bills when you really want to study something be completely present because if you're thinking about three other things and you're still there then only 25% of your resources and your resourcefulness is actually learning and I would also say forget about your limitations temporarily forget about your limiting beliefs about who we are because I think all behavior is belief driven that if you have a belief saying oh i you know i'm not good at remembering names or i just not smart enough or whatever that is here's the thing you always have to monitor your self-talk certainly you have to protect your stand stand guard to your mind to external negative influences but even more powerful than that is your internal influences and internal conversation you have with yourself because every time again when you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. And so keep it positive. And it's not always easy, but every single time you indulge, that's the reason why even people don't understand, like even when it comes to meditation, and I I have a mindfulness practice, I meditate twice a day, I highly recommend everyone does that, um, to be able to, to, to do it like a nervous system reset. Um, but the reason why you meditate is that every time you lose your focus and you bring it back, you build your, your 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 focus muscles, your attention muscles. And I would say, do the same thing when it comes to your limitations. You know, fight for your your what you're capable of. Don't indulge in it. Every time you don't indulge in it, you build that muscle. The A in fast stands for active, and we don't have to talk about this because we just talked about it. The, one of the challenges with our education system, it was very passive. It was based on consumption. You're supposed to be there to consume information be lectured. And that's not how the human mind works. It doesn't work on consumption. The human mind thrives on creation. And that's why I love the work that you're doing, right? And all the creators that are listening to this. So we don't learn by consuming. We learn by creating and co-creating. So it's not always solo. It's social. And so I think that's really important. So how do you make learning more active? How do you, um, you, know, how do you best take notes? I do this whole episode on how to take notes the best way. How do you ask questions, more powerful questions and such? So how, because learning is not a spectator sport, and you have to get off the bench. So how do you make it more active? The S stands for state, state. And we talked about this, right? All learning is state dependent, and so if your state is zero, the mood that you're in, anything times zero becomes zero. So how do you amplify that? So I would do a check-in right now. A takeaway you could do right now is: how do I feel on a scale from zero to ten? And if you say it's a four, you know, you do. You start with the truth, right? Um, and then you say, how do I elevate that from four to seven? How do I incentivize myself to do it? Like you can use apps like Stick and stuff that that actually gives you rewards for you know sticking to your habits and such. How do you how do you change your perception? How do you change your physiology and your body to be more engaged? Right? Even just standing up. And I like even right now I'm at my standing desk. I think. They, they, they say that sitting is the new smoking, and it's, it's we're so sedentary. But as your body moves, one of the best things you can do to enhance your focus, your memory, your brain health, is move more often. Like I said um, – the Pomodoro technique is basically a time management technique that says you can only focus for about 25 to 30 minutes, and after that, you start losing. There's a dramatic uh, drop in your level of attention, and so I set an alarm every 25, 30, 45 minutes just to get up and move for five minutes to go do some box breathing or alpha breathing or Wim Hof breathing you know, outside to, to hydrate my brain, you know, with because with, your brain is only 2% of your body mass, but it uses 20% of the nutrients and the oxygen, so deep, deep breathing and everything. Um, Um, So setting those, um, these are ways I control my state, right? The food that I eat is very important. I talk about my, my top 10 favorite brain foods because you are not only your thoughts and who you spend time with, but you're also, the food, you are what you eat, right? So some of my top 10 favorite brain foods will change your state and your mental acuity. A lot of people complain about brain fog and you know uh, they call it decision fatigue, basically saying that you can only, um, you only have a certain amount of good decisions in, in, in the day and after that you, you can sit at dinner at a restaurant and look at a menu and you honestly, you ever been in a situation where you can't even make a decision on what you wanna eat? Yeah, because true. you're so fatigued. Uh-huh. And so but there's certain foods that will keep you more active, like good for your brain. Avocado, blueberries—I call them brain berries, right? Broccoli, coconut oil, eggs—if you eat them, because they have like a memory improving choline and omega threes and vitamin E, and you know green leafy vegetables and salmon or sardines and turmeric is so good for you. I make this turmeric tea every single morning, which reduces inflammation in my body, um, you know, and improves my oxygen intake. Walnuts, and you notice like a lot of these foods—they look at what they serve. Like a walnut looks like a human brain, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a center, there's a signature, a sign of nature. If you will, like some certain foods, you cut a carrot and you look at it um, by you know on its side, and it looks like the human eye, right? And an avocado looks like um, you know, female reproductive, and so on. Um, dark chocolate, you know, elevates your focus, your mood. One of my favorite, uh, you know, superfoods. So all those things go back to state, and all those things are things we could do. And you know, and then bonus one, and number eleven, I would say is like water. Because you have to super hydrate again. I'll take half of those ingredients and put them into a brain smoothie. And then I'll just, that, that is so important. People always, because all learning is state dependent. So you want to change your psychology, change your physiology, including what you eat. Uh, so I'll put half those ingredients into a smoothie. Green leafy vegetables, avocado, some chocolate, water. Not the salmon probably. I probably won't taste very good. <laughs> but, blue, but blueberries and all of that. Yeah. So that's your state. And finally, the tea and fast stands for teach, teach, and what I mean by that is learn with the intent to teach. Because your intention matters. And if you had to, and I highly recommend, you know, you re-listen um, to this episode and such. Because I, I know, like, you know, what we're talking about is any, any one distinction of our idea or, um, or inspiration can make a difference. But learn it as if you were going to teach it to somebody else. So think about somebody that you care about and how do you pay it forward. Because if you learn it with the intention to teach, you'll take different notes. You'll ask different questions on, you know, and tagging us both in social media. You'll, you'll, you'll own it, right? You'll make it personal for yourself. And so when you teach it, you get to learn it twice. So that's kind of, that's the four things that I'm always conscious of when I want to learn something faster. You know, I forget what I already know. I forget my limitations. I forget about what's going on in the world. and I just focus. I become active. I roll up my sleeves. I get involved in it uh, as much as possible. I, I, I go in with a curious state because I think that's important because Rumi says, has this quote saying, sell your cleverness for bewilderment. Sell your cleverness for bewilderment. I when's the last time we felt bewildered and curious and fascinated? You could put yourself in that state. Even like certain smells will put you in that state. Like um, rosemary, peppermint, so good for the brain. It actually helps improve your focus, your memory. It's a great way of, of changing the way you feel. By the way, just a really quick brain hack, because I was just um, recording something on this, was um, that a lot of times if you want to be more creative or if you want to study faster, it's interesting. Your environment makes a difference mm-hmm. because your environment gets anchored to that. And, and I know that's a little bit elementary for, for a lot of people. But recently, they did a study where they took a group of students, they put them submersed underwater with breathing apparatus and had them memorize a list of words. And then they took them, they tested them both outside in open air to see how many they remembered and put them back in the water to see how many they remembered. And which one do you think they remembered more in which environment? <laughs> the water. Right. Because that the environment got anchored to the information. And so, you know, I always tell people that if they have to give a big presentation at their job or, or in class, and they have to, you know, study and prepare in the room where you need to perform. But if you can't bring the environment, you go into the environment that you need to harness that power in, then you can bring your environment into that place. And what I mean by that is your sense of smell. The, The most powerful sense, um, out of the five senses, um, for the human brain is the sense is olfactory, which is your sense of smell, mm. right? You had to smell poisons and all that stuff to be able to protect yourself, and so and we know that because smells could take us back. And what I'm saying is, when you're studying another brain hack, is this is to have a unique scent in in your environment. So it could be an essential oil, it could be a lip balm, it could be a unique chewing flavor gum, it could be perfume, cologne, whatever it is. And then when you need to perform and you need to remember it or do that meeting or give that presentation at that ad agency or whatever, investor meeting, wear that same scent. Or you have that same scent on you and you're going to recollect a lot more of that information. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's my my fast model of how to learn any subject or skill faster. So if we're going to talk like the highest level – that's those are the four steps I'd be most conscious. That alone will cut your studying time in half.
0: Wow, that was mind-blowingly cool. So I, I have to ask, just out of personal curiosity, about the reading piece because you'd mm-hmm. mentioned uh, that we can learn to read faster. Like I, I, I choose to read physical books because um, to me, it's it's a much nicer way to start the day than with devices and and you know technology. Um, so one, I'm curious what you have to say about sort of the impact of technology and distraction is on all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, you know, the physical, but like how do, how do we read faster and retain more?
1: Yeah. I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you, let me unpack this a little bit. So I always prefer physical books over digital. I'm not saying that if I'm not, if I'm traveling Mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm an avid reader, right? I, I like to consume about four or five books a week. Um, and so I like to read in physical physical print books um, because it's just – and actually they've done research where they have people read digital mm-hmm. and read on physical print books. And they'll do better on tests with the physical print. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't go into the, the whole reason why. Also, by the way, along the same lines, um, parallel to that, taking notes um, – by handwriting is better than typing notes and this is conclusive and people ask this a lot you know on our show and stuff but i'm saying taking notes using your hand is better than typing it and one of the reasons and and i'm not i i love digital um, it's just the digital age introduced three new supervillains into our world. Digital overload, because there's too much information that's out there. So people you know, have to swim through it and filter through it and learn it all faster. So people feel overwhelmed. So digital overwhelm. Second digital issue is digital distraction. And because it is re- our smart devices are rewiring our brains. It's simple as that. Everybody has their to-do list and things they need to do. I'm telling you. Everyone, this will change your life. If, if there's one thing you walk away with, and it's going to be the hardest thing, but as, a, as your brain coach, I would say to do it, because I don't, I don't want to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. You shouldn't touch your phone the first hour of the day. And I, and I, coach, <laughs> and I coach some of the most amazing individuals in Hollywood and uh, corporate America and technology. Yeah. I'm telling you, when you wake up, you're in this theta alpha state, and you are highly suggestible. And I'm saying that if the first thing you're touching and you can't resist it, first of all, the fact that you feel addicted to pick it up and that you can't stop it should be a warning flag for the people listening that suffer from that and struggle with that. But the other thing... And the other reason, and by the way, like this, this Instagram came out of a friend of mine uh, at Stanford. uh, Dr. BJ Fogg is number one habits expert out there, Mm -hmm. and you know we we had a conversation with them about habits and how to create new habits. And but one of his students co-founded Instagram. Right? Think about how they want to make it addictive. (laughs) And every like, every like, share, comment, you get this dopamine fix, and it's literally rewiring your brain. So what your smart device is doing when you that's the first thing you, you grab, especially when you're in this alpha theta state which is these brainwave states when you're highly suggestible, mm-hmm. is you're rewiring your brain to be distracted wow. because, first of all, you're frying your brain and giving it all the stimulus like that and it fatigues it, right? So when you actually have to do things, that's the reason why... Like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, of, of Facebook wears the same sweatshirt all the time. or the same reason Tony Shea wears the same T-shirt all the time is they don't want to suffer from decision fatigue. They don't want to use one of their good decisions on what am I going to wear today, mm-hmm. right? And so you want to preserve and, and protect your your decision-making, and you shouldn't fry it on, on like, what to click on on social media. <laughs> yeah. That's just like – I did dumbfounded, especially when you're in the most suggestible state, when you're most creative in the morning, like right out of that dream state. And then the first thing I did you know, in the morning, I have this whole morning routine, but the very first thing I do is I recall my dreams. Mm-hmm. And this is something, like I have a whole process, I did a whole podcast on this, but the reason why dream recollection is so important for creatives is you're, you're being creative all day or you're an entrepreneur solving problems and, and you're learning all this stuff, but it doesn't stop when you go to sleep. Your subconscious is still working on this stuff. So actually some of the most incredible pieces of art And literature and film and and science came out of dream states. People don't know this, but Elias Howe created the sewing machine in his dream. Like he had a dream. He was being chased by savages and they were throwing spears. And at the end of the spear was the hole where he threaded the needle for the sewing machine. All this stuff. Like Frankenstein came into Mary Shelley in a dream. Mm-hmm. right uh, like it's incredible Paul McCartney thought of yesterday you know that hit song in a yeah. dream the scientific the, the scientific method the periodic table the periodic table came in a chemist's dream I mean so you need to so recalling your dreams is very important that's why memory is so important but when you're in that data state that's why I do it first thing in the morning but you don't want to pick up your phone <laughs> that, that's right the other reason why you don't want to pick up your phone because it's wiring you for the distraction mm-hmm. because we talk about digital overload digital overwhelm yep. it's also digital dementia so many people are outsourcing their brains to their smart devices and it's great because I don't want to memorize, you know, 200, 300 phone numbers. Right. But people lose the ability to do that because your smart device carries your to do list, your, your your calendar, it keeps your, all your phone numbers, it t- does simple math for you. You know, it does all this stuff. And so you don't have to do anything. So your brain's not getting the exercise and it's use it or lose it. So people are suffering from digital dementia on top of it. But another reason why you don't want to use your smart device, especially first thing in the morning, is it trains you not only to be distracted. It trains you to be reactive, mm-hmm. reactive, meaning that once you check your phone, what's going to be there? Emails, texts, all these things where other people need something for you from you and you're fighting these fires and you're not like a leader or a creative where you're setting your agenda for the day. You're training yourself to just respond to everybody else and you're not going to have a quality life that way. I always talk about the difference between being a thermometer and a thermostat. And I think our happiness, our fulfillment, our success is directly correlated to what we identify with more. What does a thermostat do? A thermostat reacts to the environment, right? It reflects what the environment is giving it, um, the temperature and everything. But a thermostat is different. A thermostat is a creative. A thermostat is an entrepreneur. A thermostat sets a standard. It sets a goal. It sets a vision. And all of a sudden, what happens to the environment? It raises up to that standard. And because the locus of control, the location of control is coming from the inside. And I think that when we check our phone first thing in the morning, we give up that sovereignty. We give up that freedom and that power. And I always talk about – I got to introduce two of my favorite superheroes together for dinner. They both wanted to meet each other. And it was um, Sir Richard Branson and Stan Lee. Not Stanley, but Stanley, the co-creator of like X Men and Fantastic Four and Spider Man and Iron Man, and I asked him, you know, these questions. I was like Stan, I was like, you know, you create all these superpowers. You know, who's your favorite superhero? And he was like um, Iron Man. He was like Jim, who's your favorite superhero? And I was like Spider Man because he had this big Spider Man tie. And and I, when I say Spider Man without a pause, he was like, with great power comes great responsibility right and we've all heard that right when you have great power you have responsibility to use that and and i was like stan you know that's so true and the opposite is also true with great responsibility comes great power Uh when we take responsibility for something we have great power in our life to make things better and i think ultimately that's that's what we are and it's it's unmistakable
0: wow wow um so, two more questions for you. I know you mentioned um, influential biographies, and I'm curious what one that we wouldn't have thought of. What's something unconventional that you know probably hasn't been recommended before that had a profound impact on your life that you'd want to share with us?
1: Yeah, and so I, I read all the ones in history. So I liked um, Benjamin Franklin's mm-hmm. a lot. Um, you know, I liked obviously I read Steve Jobs. Um, the, the one that I'm that I, I read recently is Andre Agassi's. Okay, I've heard. I don't have you ever, have you heard about it
0: I've, I've heard Seth Godin reference it multiple times in, in stuff that he teaches so I, I've been very want, curious about it I'm also it out.
1: that the only thing I've never had um I never had a job per se um, because <laughs> I got into my my career very early uh-huh. um, you know out of necessity but the one thing I did do on the side in high school was I was a tennis instructor and so I had this I have this love for tennis I, I really think it's a great metaphor for life mm. at the very least you know this I post this a lot on Twitter but it's just um life is kind of like tennis you know those who serve well tend to tend to win
4: mm-hmm.
1: and um and I, I just i just like the whole metaphor and I, I love biographies also because it's i want to know mostly one of the conversations i love having with people is how they overcame their biggest challenges how they overcame adversity right and difficulty because i think out of everything when i talk about superheroes that's that's when we think about the most famous superheroes they had the they had a lot of childhood adversity. I mean, they were all orphaned. I mean, think about Batman, Superman, Iron Man, Wonder Woman, um, Spider-Man. They were all orphaned, you know. And uh, and so I think going through challenge leads to change. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I like biographies. I also, by the way, really like um, one of the brain hacks, I would say, for reading faster. Um, so, you know, we talk about reading print and, you know, and taking notes with your hand is using a visual pacer and I teach people how to use their finger while they underline they read and it can boost your reading speed 25 to 50% yep. and um, and I, I really encourage people to look into that um, like read for a couple minutes time yourself count the number of lines and then just underline the words with a pen or a highlighter or your mm-hmm. finger um, and just retest yourself after a couple minutes and you'll find that number is twenty-five, fifty 50 percent lift um, so I just wanted people to have that because that makes a big difference in your focus also as well for people who read a page in a book get to the end and forget what they just read <laughs> right. and their mind wanders this will be it's a simple brain hack yeah. right I mean it's not a whole like training course that we offer but it's like a simple thing everyone could do and and do right away yeah. um, to do that but I mean going back to these these modern day superheroes I feel like you know that's that's what we are and that's that's our superpower but it's super you know just having superpower doesn't make you a superhero you have to use that power for good and I think that's where um, our creativity comes in mm. wow
0: well, this has been uh, very, very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you've packed it with so much that I'm probably going to have to go back and listen to it like 20 times. So I have one last question for you, which is awesome. how we finish all of our interviews at the unmistakable creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable?
1: Wow. Okay, that's quite another question. This is great because there, there are a bunch of questions here I've never been asked before. What does it <laughs> mean to be unmistakable? When I think about the word un- unmistakable, I think of authenticity. I think of truth. And I guess my parting words for everybody is I think you can only be happiest and most fulfilled when you know who you are. When we're talking about authenticity and truth, it's this area of self-discovery and self-awareness. I think self-awareness is a superpower. So I think it's a two-part formula. I think you need to know who you are, and then I think you need to be who you are. So I think you need the curiosity to know yourself and then the courage to, to be yourself.
0: Wow. Um, well, like I said, this has just been absolutely amazing. I am so thrilled that you and I got a chance to connect. Where can people learn more about you and your work?
1: Um, social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I post all our brain hacks. It's at Jim Quick. And you said spell spelled right. K-W-I-K. That's really my last name. I didn't change it to teach what I do. <laughs> Jim Quick. And then um, I would encourage if people like this conversation, um, listen to the Quick Brain podcast. We do episodes like this on my favorite top 10 favorite brain foods and how to read faster, how to remember people's names, how to learn a language, all that good stuff. And it's a quick brain. I'm, I'm excited about it. Congratulations on, on your run. I mean, it's incredible. Like, I'm just starting out with this podcast and like, I, I, I'm i so blown away. I mean, how many, how many have you done? About 700. Oh, that, that's nobody. Ha- who has that longevity <laughs> in a world like where there's half a million podcasts to listen to? And so congratulations to you and, thanks, and thanks. congratulations to everyone who's still listening to this. Cause I feel like if you're still listening to this conversation and we're kindred spirits, we love learning and we love growing and we, we love giving. So, um, yeah, I would appreciate if People check out the podcast. You get it at
0: quickbrain.com. KWRK brain. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the unmistakable creative podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming. Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared.
3: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.